Dear loving Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dear Jesus, we pray that you would make us instruments by which your will will be done on this earth. We hunger and test after righteousness, and we pray, Lord, that you will fill us as we go through your word. As spiritual things are spiritually discerned, we see our need for the Holy Spirit. Please grant to us the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we may rightly divide the word of truth, and that we may come and grow into a knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I commit myself unto your care, and I pray that you would put your words in my mouth, that I will be granted of your Spirit that I may speak words that would edify and bless and build up every one of us who are listening. Do this, O Lord, and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, July 7 True Riches The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22 Many envied the popularity and abundant glory of Solomon, thinking that of all men he must be the most happy. But amid all that glory of artificial display, the man envied is the one to be most pitied. His countenance is dark with despair. All the splendor about him is but to him mockery of the distress and anguish of his thoughts as he reviews his misspent life in seeking for happiness through indulgence and selfish gratification of every desire. In the midst of prosperity lurks danger. Throughout the ages, riches and honor have ever been attended with peril to humility and spirituality. It is not the empty cup that we have difficulty in carrying. It is the cup full to the brim that must be carefully balanced. Affliction and adversity may cause sorrow, but it is prosperity that is most dangerous to spiritual life. Unless the human subject is in constant submission to the will of God, unless he is sanctified by the truth, prosperity will surely arouse the natural inclination to presumption. In the valley of humiliation, where men depend on God to teach them and to guide their every step, there is comparative safety. But the men who stand as it were on a lofty pinnacle and who, because of their position, are supposed to possess great wisdom, these are in greatest peril. Unless such men make God their dependence, they will surely fall. Whenever pride and ambition are indulged, the life is marred 
for pride, feeling no need, closes the heart against the infinite blessings of heaven. He who makes self-glorification his aim will find himself destitute of the grace of God, through whose efficiency the truest riches and the most satisfying joys are won. But he who gives all and does all for Christ will know the fulfillment of the promise. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he added no sorrow with it. All the sins and excesses of Solomon can be traced to his great mistake in ceasing to rely upon God for wisdom and to walk in humility before him. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is True Riches and we continue to look at the life of King Solomon. Solomon had riches, but the Bible has a lot to say about wealth and riches that is actually negative. When we hear about Solomon and his wealth and the fact that it looked like there has never been anybody as rich as he was or maybe never ever can there be anyone who have as much wealth as um, Solomon had. When people hear this, it looks like something to admire. But when we read the Bible and listen to the words of Solomon himself, we will testify to the words that we read in our devotion in the first paragraph that said, But amidst all the glory of artificial display, the man envied is, to do, is, to, is the one to be most pitied. His countenance is dark with despair. All the splendor about him is but to him mockery of the distress and anguish of his thoughts as he reviews his misspent life in seeking for happiness through indulgence and selfish gratification of every desire." End of quote. And this is what we will see from the life of Solomon, that his life was dark with despair on account of just one thing, the wealth, the wealth that he amassed. It brought despair upon him. Let us now examine from the word of God what it was that Solomon did and let us learn lessons because the Bible tells us in the book of First Corinthians chapter 10 reading from verse 6 and also verse 11 that all these things were written for our learning that we who are coming and living in the end of time should advise ourselves avoiding the mistakes that was made by the people in the past and repeating the good things that they did. Today, the Lord will bring to our minds mistakes to avoid and areas where we should be wary and careful where and how we can avoid falling into the same despair that Solomon fell into. So let us trace from cause to effect. Solomon himself confessed as we will see very soon in our devotion here that he was in despair because of the wealth he had. Why was it that he was in despair? Let us trace from cause to effect. Reading from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 10, reading from verse 14 to 17, it says, Every year, King Solomon received over 25 tons of gold. Okay, let me stop. 25 tons. Do you know what that is? 
a ton is about a thousand kilograms. So when we say 25 tons of gold, that is 25,000 kilograms of gold. What do you weigh, you who are listening to me? Perhaps the highest you can be, maybe 200 kilograms. That is really great. But the average person will just be around 60, 70 kilograms. Now we're talking about 25,000 tons of gold. How long? Not in his lifetime. Listen to it again. 1 Kings 10 verse 14. Every year, King Solomon received over 25 tons of gold. So, I decided to check on the internet to find out how much one ton of gold is. And the first thing I see here is that one ton of gold, guess what? 30 million pounds. That's how much it is. 30 million pounds. And this is just the gold that Solomon received in one year. 30 million pounds. Do you know how much that is in uh, when you ca- calculate it? Do you know how much that is? 30 million times 25,000. That's what he received. So, 30 million pounds. And he received 25 tons. One ton is 30 million. So, 25 tons is going to be 750 million pounds for today. And that is what, if you have what Solomon had, that's what you'll be getting in just one year from gold. That's just gold. There were other things he had. Now, reading from verse 15, it says, In addition, take note, this is in addition to the taxes paid by merchants, the profits from trade and tribute paid by the Arabian kings and the governors of the Israelite districts. Solomon made 200 large shields and had each one overlaid with almost 15 pounds of gold. He also made 300 smaller shields overlaying each one of them with merely 4 pounds of gold. He had all these shields placed in the hall of the forest of Lebanon. Now, talk of riches. Solomon had it. This is just gold we are talking about. But now, the Bible says in addition to the taxes. What was Solomon using all this wealth for? And the question is how did Solomon get all this wealth? He got riches by taxing the people heavily. Under no king was the prophecy of Samuel more fulfilled than under Solomon. If you recall when the Lord was warning Israel, told Samuel, protest against them. Israel said they wanted for themselves a king and the Lord said, this is not good. And he told Samuel, nevertheless, protest. And here was what Samuel said in the book of 1 Samuel 8, reading from verse 11. It says, and he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots and he will appoint him captains of over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your oliveyards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tent of your seed and of your vineyards and give this 
give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tent of your sheep and you shall be his servants. And you shall cry out in that day because of your king which you shall have chosen over you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. This was what the Lord was trying to protect Israel from, from the onset when they said they wanted a king. God knew that it will always get to this. And like I said, under no other king of Israel did this wicked and negative prophecy get fulfilled than under Solomon. Many people read this part of Solomon's life as if it was a good thing. No, it was not a good thing. This was a fulfillment of the prophecy that Samuel warned Israel about, that this is what your king will do to you and it will be bad for you. It was never good for Israel that Solomon amassed such wealth by taxing the people and by taking them. Let me keep reading so that you see how it got fulfilled. Remember, he, Samuel said he would take your men, your, your, your children, make them men servants. Your, your daughters, take them for wives to himself and make them cooks and confessionaries and all of that. And he will tax them heavily. Look at what Solomon did now. First Kings reading from chapter 10, reading from verse 18. He says, Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had, a, had six steps and the top of the throne was round behind and there were stays on either side on the place of the seat. And two lions stood beside the stay. And twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps. There was not the like made in any kingdom. And all kings Sol King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. It was nothing accounted of in the days of Solomon. For the king had a sea, a navy of Tarshish, with the navy of Hiram. Once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. Hmm. This is the lavish and extravagant lifestyle that Solomon was living. All these were extravagant and they are not examples of how a godly person should live. What was the point in all this display and show? It served to increase pride. This was worldliness entering into Solomon's life. These were not necessities but luxuries. We know luxuries by che checking functionalities. When we start to get things, no matter how much they cost, but we are getting them because of the function that they are performing for us. That is to make things, to get things done. Then it's not a luxury regardless of how much it costs. But when we are getting things because of the aesthetics and the branding, but because they put a brand on it, Adidas, Nike, and this and that, it's not really that that thing is better than the other ones that exist that are cheaper. But because of the branding you are getting it, then it's not really about the functionality. If they are gotten for these reasons, then it is now becoming extravagance. Especially when there is something equally as good or even better than that thing that you are getting but just because it's not fashionable when we do this we are falling into the same scene that solomon fell into continuing now reading from first kings 10 verse 24 it says and all the earth sought to solomon to hear his wisdom which god had put in his heart and they brought every man his present vessels of silver and vessels of gold and garments and armor and spices horses and mules a rate year by year 
and Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots, and with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. So you see that here now Solomon's fine gold is turning into dross. The confession made by Israel after his death testifies to the means by which Solomon attained his wealth. Do you know how Solomon attained his wealth? Exactly the way that Samuel said it will happen. First Kings reading chapter 12 verse 4. After Solomon had died, his son Rehoboam had become king. And the people spoke to Rehoboam saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter and we will serve thee. Wow! What a testimony against Solomon that he made the yoke of Israel grievous. Remember 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 18? What did Samuel say to them would be the consequence of them having a king? He said, And you shall cry out in that day because of your king which you shall have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day. From the onset when, when Israel chose to have a king for themselves, their doom was already being spelt. It was already bad enough that when they left the wilderness and Joshua led them into Canaan, the work that Moses said they should do and even Joshua told them, make sure that you do not make any league with the people of the land utterly destroy them do not take off their idols and do not worship it it's already bad enough that from that time they had already rebelled against god and they had not done what god said they should do that already was already it was already spelling their doom that was enough but it might have been remedied if that they had not done this thing of choosing for themselves a king because after choosing for themselves a king oh my things were already going downhill and it was never going to be remedied because Solomon had, Samuel had told them, this is going to happen to you. You will cry out in that day and the Lord will not hear you. After Solomon's death, they did cry out, but it was too late. The king had done what he would do, putting upon them grievous yokes. Prosperity, prosperity, many are looking for it today. But we do not care to see what the word of God has to say about it. Conflict and Courage, page 194, paragraph 3. And when I say prosperity, I'm referring to riches, financial wealth. Reading now, it says, In the midst of prosperity lurks danger. Throughout the ages, riches and honor have been ever attended with peril to humility and spirituality. So what does prosperity affect? It affects our humility and spirituality. Not many people who get wealthy remain humble. It increases pride and dashes, does damage to spirituality. Continuing, it says it is not the empty cup that we have difficulty in carrying. It is the cup full to the brim that must be carefully balanced. Affliction and adversity, that's the opposite of prosperity, may cause sorrow, but it is prosperity that is most dangerous to spiritual life. And I'm saying this slowly so that it sinks into my mind and into yours. 
adversity and affliction they come with sorrow but it is prosperity when your money is increasing in the millions and thousands in your account it is that that is most dangerous to our spiritual life but how can we deal with it it says unless the human subject is in constant submission to the will of God so what is the solution it doesn't mean that prosperity is bad but if you have it this is the solution so that it doesn't destroy you constant submission to the will of God secondly unless he is sanctified by the truth prosperity will surely arouse a natural inclination to presumption end of quote Wow so let us see how prosperity affected Solomon but remember the lesson we just learned now some who are listening to me right now it is possible that you have had some breakthrough and the money in the bank is increasing not that you cheated anybody no legitimately you have done all that is right and well and now you are getting richer and richer the Lord in his mercy is bringing this message to you as you are getting that money remember that your danger is increasing the days of affliction and adversity are even better than the days when your money starts to increase and your possessions get much be careful young man and young lady that when your money gets much it does not destroy your humility and your spirituality the only way that will take place is if you are not constantly submitting to the will of God and you are not sanctified by the truth but if you are sanctified by the truth constantly submitting to the will of God then you will not be destroyed by your prosperity so what does it mean to be constantly submitted to the will of God and to be sanctified by the truth it means that in every decision you are about to make with your money you are not selfish that you do things to the glory of God not to increase pride look at what Solomon was doing they were not necessary he was spending on self what was the purpose of those lions of gold what purpose were they serving nothing than to increase pride there was no other purpose for those lions by the side of his of his throne and all the other shields of gold and all of that do you need them to fight a war no you don't how many wars did he fight with them none absolutely none Solomon was doing these things to increase pride. Ask yourself when you are building your house, when you are buying things for your home, are they necessities or are they things just done to increase pride? There are phones today that cost over $1,000. Is it bad to get them? Of course not. If you are buying them for the purpose of the function that they have. Some people are cameramen, they need those phones because of the very good cameras they have. Some people are influencers on YouTube and all of that. They need it. But how about you? Do you need them? I don't know. But ask yourself, am I getting this thing because I want to show that this is what I have and increase my pride? And the articles in my home, am I doing it to increase the aesthetics so that uh, I would be able to show how rich I am? You are falling into the scene of Solomon. Your spirituality will die as, much, as long as you are doing these things. Your humility will go and your pride will increase. Do you know that nobody knows how wealthy you are except you show to them through the things that you buy? Nobody knows except you just build that very big house that may, have not, may not have been necessary. I've been to many mansioned houses. Many times you go there, nobody is living there. I've been to some that no one is staying in and there are many that we see around us 
just one man is living in it or two. They were just built to increase the pride of the person who owns the house. These are things we should consider. Now let us go back to the life of Solomon. What was the end of all Solomon's experiment in increasing his pride by spending his money so lavishly and living so luxuriously and extravagantly? How did it help him? So, speaking of his experiment much later, Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, reading from verse 16 to 18, he said, I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, that is, I'm very rich, and have gotten more wisdom than all that than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom, and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. You see? So what's Solomon's confession? All of his wealth brought him grief. And many today are seeing the same grief that comes from a wrong use of means, a wrong use of money, and a desire to accumulate wealth. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 194, paragraph 5, Whenever pride and ambition are indulged, the life is marred. For pride, feeling no need, closes the heart against the infinite blessings of heaven. He who makes self-glorification his aim will find himself destitute of the grace of God through whose efficiency the truest riches and the most satisfying joys are won. But he who gives all and does all for Christ will know the fulfillment of the promise. The blessing of the Lord it maketh rich, and he that and he added no sorrow with it. End of quote. So what else did Solomon do? More than just spending money to gratify himself, like we just, he just summarized in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 as we read now in verse 18 where he said, uh, in verse 17 where he said that he gave himself to know madness and folly. What does he mean by that? We'll see that subsequently. But what we just saw now says, we should not spend our money in self-glorification, but the true riches is the grace of God in our lives. And if we are destitute of the grace of God, then we do not have true riches. Solomon had the false riches and he didn't have joy and satisfaction by having it. But when we give all and do all for Christ, then the promise will be fulfilled for us that that money given to you, the blessing of the Lord is the money. It will make you rich. Riches, wealth, what we call riches, which is the money, it is not riches, but it is used to purchase the riches. How can you use your money to get true riches? By spending it on the things of God. Because money itself is not true riches. Solomon was spending his money on self-glorification. He was not laying up treasure for himself in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. He did not purchase riches with his money. If there is one lesson that we will learn today, understand this, that true riches is not about the material things that we own or the amount of dollars or uh, money we have in our account. That is not true riches. But rather, money is to be used to purchase true riches. How do you purchase it? By laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. By using that money for the work of God to improve yourself. Some people have riches and are destroying themselves with it like Solomon did. Look at what Solomon did. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 4 downward he said, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water 
to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. Take note, this is different from the gold he had. So you can imagine how much wealth Solomon had. Continuing now in verse 8, he said, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. And then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Wow, what a confession. It was all a vexation of spirit. Solomon was wise and hard-working. He was judicious and shrewd and gathered much wealth to himself through his shrewdness in business. He saw many who were lazy, and he observed them and said in the book of Proverbs 24 verse 30, I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well, and I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and I want as an armed man. So Solomon had so much wealth, he had observed how to work hard. He was a hard-working man. With all Solomon's wealth and pleasure-seeking, one thing was always lingering in his mind. His wisdom over the fool and slothful. He was complaining, look at this, I went to the field of the slothful and I saw that because of his laziness, he is poor. But Solomon thought about it. He is hard-working and he's rich. But there was one thing always on his mind. What is the difference between me and this slothful man? And he said in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 14, The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, As it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, that this also is vanity, for there is no remembrance of the wise more than the fool forever. Seeing that which now is, in the days to come, shall be all forgotten. And how died the wise man? As the fool. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yeah, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me and who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool. Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. 
for what hath man of all his labor and all the and of the vexation of his heart wherein he had labored under the sun for all his days are sorrows and his travail grief yet his heart taketh not rest in the night this is also vanity for god giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy but to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up and then he ended up saying even this is vanity and vexation of spirit wow do you see now that the riches of Solomon brought him to despair? And you need to understand that it was wise for it to bring him to despair. There are some people who their riches do not bring them to despair because they don't even think the way Solomon thinks. What was Solomon thinking about? He was thinking of the future, eternal life. That's what he was thinking about. Of what end is these millions and billions to me when I will not even be alive to spend everything? We just heard of some people who still very huge sums of money let me, just, let me not mention names but people steal billions if if we were to spend for example a million dollars every day do you know that those who have those 80 billions and hundreds of billions they will spend those that money for many years and it will not finish and that's what solomon was thinking about i'm not even going to be alive to enjoy all these things i have and that's why he said, this is just vanity, vexation of spirit. I'm just working for somebody else. Because when I die, somebody is just going to take this thing free of charge. And who knows whether he's going to be a wise person or a fool. And so Solomon was in despair. But why was he in despair? Was it bad for him to have that wealth? No. The reason for the despair was he got this wealth by taxing the people. It was a wrong way. He got the wealth by not thinking of the prosperity of the people before solomon was thinking of the prosperity of israel all israel dwelt safely under him that was what we read in our previous devotions but solomon changed solomon now started taxing the people heavily and they suffered under him but he didn't enjoy it too as he was taken from the people unjustly and receiving taxes here and there it was not good for him Solomon could see that any riches that cannot prevent death and give eternal life was vain and it is not true riches. What is the point in all the wealth when eventually you are going to die like the fool? And like that slothful man, he was saying he saw the slothful man and he's going to be poor because he's not working hard. But then he realized that even me who is working hard, how am I going to die? Just like the slothful man, it's a mockery. His wealth was mocking him. And the dead slothful man is almost like he's laughing at Solomon. With all your hard work, you are going to end in the same place like myself. And the fool will mock at Solomon say, with all your wealth and your wisdom, you are going to end in the same place like me. And many of us who is also accumulating wealth and we are not rich towards God know this. That those people who are poor, if they are truly rich towards God, they will end in a better place than yourself true riches is not about amassing material things like solomon did neither is it about amassing wealth in the bank many people have died today their relatives don't even know that they have huge sums in the bank who is using the money somebody they don't know the bank is spending the money nobody has been able to withdraw it they left it there billions in the banks and the bank is using it for themselves what was he accumulated for it should have been used to further the work of God or to, in the best way money can be used, to spend on yourself, to know God, buy the right things, the Bible, do evangelisms, sponsor them so that you can bring 
riches through riches to yourself. Later on, Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes 5, reading from verse 10, about how addictive riches can be. He said, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetted a son, and there is nothing in his hand. And he came forth of his mother's womb, and naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit had he that had labored for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. Oh. Solomon was heavy with riches, and the riches was an excessive weight on him. His spiritual life was going down and down and down. My brothers and sisters, we are warned in the book of First Timothy chapter 6, reading from verse 6 downward. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Have you realized it? We are talking of Solomon now, but Solomon realized it. There are some who die without realizing it. Solomon in his time when he was living realized it. That this money I have, I'm not taking anything with me. And he saw it. This is a sore travel. What's the point in all this accumulation of wealth when I know I'm still going to die someday? And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in, men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So what is true riches? We are told about Solomon now. In Conflict and Courage, page 194, paragraph 2, people were envying him. But he is somebody that was we were supposed to pity. Amid all that glory of artificial display, the man envied is the one to be most pitied. His countenance is dark with despair. All the splendor about him is but to him mockery of the distress and anguish of his thoughts and as he reviews his misspent life in seeking for happiness through indulgence and self-gratification of every desire. End of quote. Indeed, if I were in Solomon's shoes, when I see the poor man is a mockery to me because I see that wherever that man is ending in the same place I'm going to end, if I do not, like we have said earlier, if, I, if we don't submit ourselves to the will of God and be sanctified by the truth, anyone who has riches and yet do not have the grace of God and is not using the riches for to fulfill the covenant of the Lord, in spending both on himself and others to the end that he sees that this thing I'm spending on is going to help me get more spiritual. Money helps us get spiritual if it is spent the right way. Food is a way to help yourself to be in the best health possible so that you can have the right mind to understand the word of God. But too many times people spend their money on the food that will cloud their mind, taking alcohol, drugs, cocaine, and eating sumptuously of the animal-based diet that makes it more difficult for them to even have any communication with God. 
Money is good if you use it for the right purposes, to spend on yourself that your body and your mind will be in good health. And also to locate yourself in the right place where you have a pure moral atmosphere. You need money for that. And to help others for the same purpose. Do you know that the great blessing you can bring to yourself is to be a blessing to others? Build houses for people where you can also create a more pure moral atmosphere for them. Give them the truest riches. It is the word of God and knowledge of God. But it takes money to do these things. But what was Solomon doing with his money? He was using it to gratify himself, building pools and building, buying trees and building gardens just to gratify his eyes and his flesh. That's all he was doing. But that money, if you have it, can be used to organize programs, to bring the knowledge of the truth to people far and wide. It takes money to get a satellite and to do programs that will reach the whole world. It takes money to also sponsor people who will go around preaching the word of God. It takes money to buy the books and to distribute them to the whole world. The Bible and the great controversy and spirit of prophecy books like Child Guidance, Adventist Home and uh, Testimonies on Sexual Behavior, Adultery and Divorce. These books are not available. It takes money to get them and to bless people by spreading it to those who cannot afford it. This is what money is to be used for. That way, indeed, that word will be fulfilled the blessing of the lord it maketh rich that is how to get true riches money itself is not true riches the knowledge of god in your life and also imparting it on others that is true riches jeremiah 9 reading from verse 23 says thus said the lord let not the wise man glory in his wisdom neither let the mighty man glory in his might let not the rich man glory in his riches but let him that glory at glory in this that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Colossians 3, reading from verse 1 to 3, says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ's in God. Amen. We need to be dead to this world so that our lives will be healed with Christ in God and we will seek for the eternal things that are above and not for the things of this world and set our affections on things above and not the things of this earth. I pray that these words shall minister to our souls and help us not to fall into the sin that Solomon fell into, that we may have true riches. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, Please, if we have fallen into the sin of Solomon by amassing wealth and living self-gratifying, extravagant, luxurious lives, please forgive us. Give us the grace, Lord, to cut off from that kind of pride. Is there anyone whose spirituality has been killed and his humility gone because of wealth? Please, Lord, I pray for such a person. Help that person to break off. The love of money is destroying the person, Lord. Please help such a one today. That it will break off and for those who do not have as much lord help us not to think that we can handle it if affliction and adversity bring sorrow to us we realize that prosperity is more dangerous and we pray lord that we will humble ourselves lord give us only that which is necessary for us and do we have wealth help us lord to spend it in the right way to bring glory to your name in jesus name i've prayed amen